Welcome to SickCast, brought to you by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path. This episode of the SickCast is from a live webinar titled Vesakhi Reviving Panthic Leadership, featuring presenters Harinder Singh and Ramandeep Gaur Grewal. The event originally aired on April 30th, 2022. Thank you for joining today's webinar, Vasaki Reviving Bantik Leadership. Um, this webinar will begin with a moderated discussion between our panelists, after which we'll have time for Q&A from the audience. So please drop your questions in the chat box and be sure to include your name and your city. Now I'd like to briefly introduce our panelists today. Uh, we have Harinder Singh, who is a thinker, author, and educator. He's the co-founder and innovation director at the Sikh Research Institute. A fun fact that I recently learned is that Harinder Singh looks for culturally specific things to experience, along with a light roast pour over coffee, same with me, to sip during travels, he reads, binge watches, to stay in touch with what the world is up to. He currently resides in the United States with his family. Uh, and then we also have Ramandeep Gaur. Ramandeep Gaur practices corporate law in the Toronto office of Steigman Elliott, LLP, with a focus on corporate finance and corporate governance. She also serves on the board of directors at the Sick Research Institute and currently resides in Toronto, Canada with her husband and three children. I'll pass it over to our panelists now. Great. Thank you very much, Vaninder and Vaibhujika Khalsa Varji Fateh. Uh, and welcome to all of you uh, from Harinder Singh and myself. Uh, it's nice to be here again. Uh, for some of you who joined us last year, uh, you'll know that this is a bit of an annual tradition for Harinder and myself, uh, and it's a nice way to uh, have the opportunity not only to, you know, to celebrate and reminisce, but also to reflect on what's happened in the years past. So before I get into the topic of our discussion, just a few additional housekeeping items. We are going to have roughly two parts to our session today. Uh, we'll watch the, uh, the Q&A panel, so if you do have questions, please feel free to post them at any time, although we do have two distinct parts, and we will pause for Q&A on both of those sections. Um, they both relate to having an introspective discussion focused around Vesaki, uh, but also we will be relating uh, the concepts of Sikh leadership and Sikh leadership principles to the present day and a number of current events and, and current uh, issues that we are we are seeing and that we are dealing with as well. Um, and so with that, again, I want to welcome all of you. Um, the Saki is always a great opportunity for us, of course, first and foremost, to celebrate uh, and to be thankful for all that we have been given uh, as being the, uh, the recipients uh, and the benefactors of this wonderful Bantha and this wonderful Bantic ideology. Uh, but as Sikhs uh, and as lifelong learners, it is also incumbent upon us to constantly be retrospect uh, retrospective and introspective, uh, to think about uh, what we are doing and what uh, our predecessors uh, intended for us and how we continue to try to walk on that path, uh, always looking for self-improvement and improvement of the bond, and of course, indeed, uh, of, um, of the entire world. 
So with that, Harinder, why don't we get into the topic of the discussion for today? Gurfateh Raman, uh, um, nice to chat with you again in our, in our annual sort of a ritual now. Yes, it's a good annual ritual. Uh, although I was looking at our profile pictures and maybe we need to update them. So uh, so with that, time, time keeps ticking. Uh, so why don't we start into our first topic? Uh, so Vasaki is obviously inextricably linked with Dasam Bittaji, Siddhuguru Gomen Singh Ji Maharaj. And for the, as long as I can remember, uh, there have been those that have, uh, you know, struck up this debate. Uh, and Punjabi Afghanistan, we all shared Nihundiya, right? We, we are uh, sometimes always going in circles having this discussion, or at least from some facets we have uh, this argument that Guru Gobind Singh Ji took a slightly different path, you know, created a bit of a diversion, that the uh, principles laid down in Vasaki 99 and the Sikhi of Guru Gobind Singh Ji being more martial in spirit and with the outward bana, et cetera, was a different and was a, went in a different direction from uh, the previous uh, nine gurus. Um, so why don't we start there? Uh, and, and one of the reasons why we thought it's a good place to start is it's not just a historical debate, but we continue to see the manifestation of those diversions today. We continue to see how uh, that type of thinking has um, has laid root and, and you know, it continues to manifest in various diasporic and, and Punjab issues. So why don't we start with that? So, so Rinder, um, you know, was Guru Gobind Singh Ji's concept of Khalsa different? Uh, was it a diversion? Uh, was it an intentional diversion? Uh, so why don't we start there? Sure. I think uh, at the onset, I want to say two things. First is, it is more of a debate in the last 50 years. And as I understand this debate, why it is getting more amplified now is because a lot of our understanding of Sikhi is based on writers who are not of the Sikh background and they're studying the Sikhs. So it is not an indigenous narrative. It is not a native narrative. It is not a Sikhi narrative, but those who are studying Sikhi. So I can recall when I was a teenager, and when I, you know, when my mama gave me books to read, they were all in English and they were written by, you know, they might be good authors, they might be good scholars, but they are the ones who came up with these things, you know, whether it was the Bengali writers or the Western writers, they created sort of this uh, vocabulary, which started saying the, what you're calling diversion is a current way to say it, but they used to say things like, you know, there was a, there was a change in the mission. Like Guru Gobind Singh changed certain things. Well, and they will even use words like uh, transformation hogisi between the gurus. Well, that's not a Sikh narrative. So if we look at Sikh narrative, and it's okay, sometimes you have to go back to the basics. The most basic Sikh narrative is in Guru Granth Sahib. In Guru Granth Sahib, it is very, very clear that the light, the jyot of all the gurus, and the jugat, the methodology of all the gurus was exactly the same only the body changed. And when we look at our secondary texts, you know, whether it is the Pai Gurdasis of the world or it is the Pai Nandalals, which are the contemporaries of the gurus, or even in last 50 to 70 years, the Sikh writers who are relying on Sikh writings, they do not have this confusion. So what we need to amplify is the basic idea of what guruship is in Sikhi from Guru Granth Sahib and from the Sikh writings, and also what we carry in our Sikh psyche and not necessarily rely 
on the current or the last 50 to 70 years of non-sex scholarship. So let's pick up on that thread uh, for a little bit, just focusing on kind of what the concept of Sikh leadership was intended to be. And, you know, when we look at uh, Guru Gobind Singh Ji, you know, we know Apigochila, right? There was a, a very different concept of uh, the, the teacher and the disciple all at the same time. And so, so why don't we get into that? So, you know, what kind of leadership principles were laid down um, by the gurus and, uh, you know, but let's distill them in today's days and in today's words, right? We, we learn, we all read books about Western leadership and uh, concepts of, you know, Western success when it comes to whether it's corporate leadership or governance or whatnot. Um, what, what were the stick principles? What, what, what is the concept of stick leadership? Yeah, so let's start with the very first phrase you said, Gurchela. And what we need to realize is Gurchela started right from Guru Nanak. You know, it is so clear that Guru Nanak passed on the leadership to Pailana and made him Guru Angad and then bowed to him. This is our uh, psyche records this, our history records this. So Ape Gurchela has been in practice from Guru Nanak. And you will see this, that Ape Gurchela was institutionalized and democratized, if you want to use today's vocabulary, because it went from one to five at the time of Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj. Because what we have to understand is that you have, and we do this too, you know, when, when somebody comes to, like somebody may come to your firm and you will have them a period of apprenticeship, then there is a growth which comes. Eventually they're in the decision-making capacity, right? We see this in the Guru period. Guru Nanak, the narrative of Vasakhi which is how we look at leadership angles as well now, started with Guru Nanak's thought. And he says the real purpose in Vasakhi for us is to get our consciousness. In our consciousness needs to be the Shabad, the wisdom. So when he says Vasakhi Prabhupada, at the end of the day, whether it is an average Sikh or a representative Sikh in a leadership position, we all exist and we are all reminded to bring Shabad in our Surat. And we get to, we need to get our mindset to accept this. And we do all this Prabhupada to have a relationship with the divine, to have a relationship with the Kumankar. And then this training happened till the fifth guru period. I continued for another five generations. And then after five generations of training, Guru Arjan says, use the word Vasakhi again. And he says, Vasakhi becomes beautiful. When we are ready to submit, to surrender, to adore, to offer ourselves, not just our consciousness, but everything we have developed through that consciousness of Shabad, when we offer ourselves to one who exemplifies the truth, the one who is her, the one who is the light, the one who eliminates the fear. So this is the training. And then we have five more generations of that training. And this is when we end up with the Vasakhi day of 1699, when Guru Gobind Singh said, now this jyot, this light, this idea, of awareness, the next level of awareness, and this jugat, this methodology to practice this, is being transferred uh, to the collective. So we see this happening from Guru Nanak onward. There is a regular development of individuals being trained, first, first among equals, you know, like one guruship, and then eventually collective guruship in the five and through to the pant. So I think Ape Gurchela is clear from Guru Nanak onward. In the Shabads in Guru Granth Sahib, it's, it's also clear where it says, I think it's Guru Amar Das Pasha Shabad. Uh, I might be wrong, but it is in Guru Granth Sahib where he says, Sikh Guru, Guru Sikh hai ek hai, Guru Padesh Chalai. That the Guru and the Sikh 
the mentor and the protege in today's language as you asked for it, they become the same as long as the protege is furthering the same mission. When we start our own missions, today we call them cults. Today we call them secretarian groups. They've always been there. They, they actually started at the time of Guru Nanak and they continued mm -hmm. in the Guru period. But the ones who continue the mission of the Guru, the ones who were trained by the Shabbat, the ones who submitted only to her, they are the ones who are in the leadership positions and who are in the leadership positions in the Sikh community. So interesting, you know, in a way, in a nutshell, uh, you know, the Bant was being nourished and um, developed in order to be prepared for 1699 and that transference to the collective, very, very simple words. Mm -hmm. And so let's focus on the transference to the collective, the one to five, um, you know, so in a way, you know, the first collective, the, the embodiment of the first set of collective Sikh leaders were the Banj Biyadi. Um, so let's talk about the Banj Biyadi. Let's talk about the first five that came forward and, you know, what, how, in what ways they exemplified those leadership principles um, that had been nourished and developed for so long in order to be prepared for that transference. Right. So if we you know, limit ourselves uh, to this idea of Vasakhi only and leadership ideas of Vasakhi, and I'll focus on the two I mentioned earlier. One was in their surat needs to be the Shabbat, in their consciousness is the wisdom, and they're only submitted to the idea of Har, this idea of Ikkwankar, we call it in Sikh vocabulary now. So the five which moved forward, you know, even if we look at it from a very basic angle of data, as we call it today, the data is clear. They all five did that. Unquestionably, they did that. And only one out of five was a Punjabi. They came from various corners of South Asia. Their past was not entertained. Didn't matter what their relationships were earlier or what they believed in earlier. We call this Nash doctrine now, that whatever religious belief was of the past, whatever the profession, regardless of how embarrassing it might be, whatever their lineage was or their family, those kind of things, none of those were entertained anymore. And that's what we saw in practice when Guru Gobind Singh said, Ki now in hi ki kirpa ke you know, this idea that I am also now going to submit to this, just like Guru Nanak had done to Guru Angad. So this idea of Ape Gurshela in practice, leadership quality at the highest levels have to have shabad in them. They must be only be offering themselves to the highest principles of har, sant, pita, har, soe, that idea. Uh, and they all exemplified that. Uh, and it was fully practiced, but it was not fully accepted by the, the community at that time either. Some Sikhs got startled with that too. Let's remember that. We know that the Baitar, the Raje, what today we will call the governors and the chief ministers of the state mm -hmm. or the premiers, they didn't like it. We know this for a fact. Some said, okay, we'll be okay with it if you do a different one or exclusive one for us. We also know that. We also know many Sikhs who were in the uh, fold, as we call it, you know, who were practitioners, who looked like Sikhs, who talked like Sikhs. They also got scared because it was a revolutionary thing. It was not a change because the vocabulary in Sikhi is prakteyo khalsa paramatam ki moj. Khalsa has been in the making from the time of Guru Nanak and Guru Gobind Singh inaugurated it and revealed it to the world that this is the archetype. The idea of Gurmukh was practically established as the Khalsa now. 
Uh, I, I really like that vocabulary, right? Focusing on the fact that it was it was revealed, right? It wasn't a transformation or a creation or a development at that time. It was something that was there, again, as we said, being nourished, being developed over the many, many generations before, and then ready to be revealed and handed over, so to speak, to the bond. Um, but I do want to go back a little bit on this concept we were talking about, about, about how, uh, again, there is interpretation. People will interpret as they like uh, and pick and choose as they like. Many people say, I'm, you know, I'm an adherent of Gurnanic Vishti's philosophy, uh, and uh, and that's about it. But we even see nowadays, um, from a political perspective, and I'm going to come back to diversity and leadership in just a second, but I, I don't want to lose this train of thought. In India and elsewhere as well, where you have Sikh leaders and non-Sikh leaders, very popular one heading up the, one of the most populous countries in the world right now, where there seems to be a very selective picking and choosing of certain elements of Sikhi that are then exemplified to show empathy and support and how the broader population is in fact, you know, in tune with their Sikh brethren, their Sikh brothers and sisters, um, but in a very selective way in some ways, right? Uh, the sanitized, so to speak, and I, I know it's a Again, I'm talking from a third party's perspective version of what is acceptable to people when it comes to Sikhi. That the the part of Sikhi in Punjabi, they will they accept and they say, "This is look, we're we are we are on the same page as you." Um. So, what do we do to be alert to those types of diversions? Right, like the the underlying themes behind what's happening. Yeah, I think that's a great point, and I we need to understand this point globally. You know, I know we uh, sometimes zero in in India, and it is uh, accurate to do that because 80% of Sikh population lives under in Punjab, and the 19% of the current Sikh population of roughly 30 million lives outside. So while we do this, and we need to know, look, this happened at the time of every guru. Every guru had a system to deal with how state or empire presents not just the ideas or the threats of Sikhi, but also how it deals with average citizens of whoever they are ruling. I mean, citizenry is today's word. Earlier, we will call them whoever was under that domain, you know, under that kings mm-hmm. or under that emperors. Every guru did this. They wrestled with it. They addressed it. They were direct participants in it. They were jailed for it. You know, people were hired to assassinate them. State gave orders to behead them. All of that happened. So Panthic leadership needs to fully understand this, uh, if we are trying to revive it, as we call it today, that what is happening today is not unique. This is what happens. This is why Shabbat is so important. This is why when we are drenched in Naam, and today's vocabulary, we can call it this idea of love with capital L, it's only then we are able to operate. How we deal with appropriations, as we call them today, how we deal with skewed ideas of representative leaderships, and how do we deal with state undermining Sikh sovereignty. Every state is doing it. It's not just India. We are struggling in every country in the world. And the reason we struggle with every country in the world is because there comes a point where our personal successes eventually are seen as collective successes. And if those collective successes are getting transferred into some political powers, a political capturing of a power, whether it is in terms of MPs or MLAs or MPPs or other forms, there are economic leaderships, uh, then those things do get challenged. And then every government, every state will try to figure out how to create a more control mechanism there. 
This is where individual Sikhs need to become much more vigilant and Panthic leadership needs to fully understand this instead of denouncing people, figure out how to navigate that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I like the fact that you focused on that, uh, which is we tend to sometimes get fixated by the fact that we are dealing with a dearth of leadership or we have so many issues around us in terms of diversions and dealing with whatever kind of political overlay we happen to be living in, whether it's a diaspora or otherwise. But I think it's a really important point to look at the challenges that were continued to be faced even by the Gurus during the Guru period and then in the periods following Guru Gobind Singh Ji as well, where we have really excellent examples of Sikh leadership in our history um, who face probably similar, if not in some ways, maybe even more challenging uh, circumstances um, than anything we, we might see, uh, given the resources that are available to us. So I, th- I think that's a, it's a really good uh, it's a really good point to, to underscore as well. We, we sometimes tend to get very uh, dejected at our own selves. We, we like to be very critical, which is important, um, but almost, you know, to the point where uh, we are losing kind of all hope, right? As long as I can remember, we've complained about our leaders, right? Like if I could quote one thing that my dad has probably said more than anything else, it's like, leadership you know, leadership So, and we've been talking about this. Uh, from pre-47 era through to what happened with partition and independence, uh, the leadership of the 80s and 90s. And and I'm going to come to it right now, so let's not get into it. But today, what we're facing uh, in, in Punjab and India and otherwise as well. Um, so what? why this common strain throughout our history? Like, what is it? Is it something unique to us? Is it something unique to the Banth and who we're trying to be as to why we have this common, uh, I would say, struggle, constant struggle uh, with trying to bring about the best leadership that we possibly can have. Yeah, uh, it actually is a common struggle, uh, but we used to focus on the ones who were working to resolve that. Now we focus way too much on the ones who are adding to that struggle. So for example, uh, the best time to look at these things in a post-guru period, because gurus are perfect, when Guru existed, Sikhs listened to it. But as a reminder, most Sikhs still didn't listen. You know, most Sikhs still didn't join the Gurus when push came to shove. We know that. That's so, so clear. You know, we've been commemorating. Everyone's been commemorating their own way. We just finished 400-year anniversary of Guru Tegh Bahadur Sahib. You know, when he was beheaded, Guru Tegh Bahadur Parsha, it was a public beheading. Think about that for a second. Yeah. There was so much fear. So we must understand this happens. But there is a courage. But in our narratives, we don't talk about that everyone became so filled with fear. We talk about how Jatta Singh still did what he needed right. to do. We talk about how, how Lakhi Shavanjara still did what he needed to do. So our narrative is filled with struggle. is to be interpreted like that. That is sharper than the double-edged sword and narrower than a strand of a hair. That's, you know, it's metaphorical that the path of the key is like that. We all aspire to walk on that path. We will continue to have this struggle. In 18th century, people who struggled with this, they still figured out how to survive, how to still create a survival for a community after surviving multiple genocides. Not just Vadda and Chota Ka Lukara, 
there were you know at least 20 declarations by the state starting uh, in the early 1700s not only did we survive we thrived we were focused on shabad and we were focused on panthic leadership being so clear not getting caught up in noise we'll call it i'm sure at the time whether it was nawab kapoor singh or whether it was jassa singh aluwalia or jassa singh ramgadia and many others they i'm sure heard all sorts of things too they were told you know tera part bhi theek nahi i mean i'm picking on that jassa singh aluwalia because we get into these events even today you know when we are operating in a leadership level panthic leadership level theological things were kept aside and then that's what six did in back then they were so focused the panthic leadership did not get caught up in the noise uh, and they went to solve things they even went to capture lahore in 1765 so i would say this common strand will continue now it is getting more accentuated let me just connect it to today post 47 we see it more post maharaja ranjit singh period we see it more because what has happened is our measurement of panthic leadership's revival they keep getting great we'll call it great because earlier you know the fights used to be very much head on you know you had empires you had battles you win the battles you declare things from akal takhtab well in last 200 years the battle scene has changed in last 70 years it has really really changed the leadership mm-hmm. at our control and command center has been manipulated by punjab's political parties the sikh political parties the indian state and now diaspora is playing a role in it through its own ways right so it is tough let's start there because gurbani says it's tough but panthak leader is the one who still figures out how to navigate this and it he, he or she does it without giving equal weight to all noises it needs to give weight to what what is shabad guiding me to do and how am i submitted only to the idea of a kongar so picking up on that thread then you know in a way while the circumstances were analogous we're saying there was constantly in this environment of struggle and this environment where there was threats to sikhi and threats to sikh leadership we our our predecessor leaders found a way to survive and to continue um gaining their inspiration and constantly going back to the same source kind of focusing on like you said your you know shabad is the starting point uh, the wisdom the consciousness of the wisdom is the starting point uh, so is it more difficult for us today than being so spread out being so diverse so we often say in this day and age we have access to social media we have access to more knowledge than you know any generation that's ever preceded us um but in a way i guess it also means uh we are maybe you know left of this hub and spoke model are are we're we're much much we're further away from the hub than maybe we've ever been before yeah i i you know there is that but then access is better too if you are removed like we are saying world is getting smaller what do we mean by that when we say that which means that access to information and access to figuring out how things are getting done is getting better and better and better we might not get the transparencies we are looking for from the ones who are making the decisions but we definitely know how they are getting made who is involved with them more and more it is getting relatively easier to critique for example and to learn but let me bring a practical example because i get told that you know sometimes you are too much in the past well one of the reasons i like to go in the past 
and too much in the past is because that's where we get our inspiration from because they figured out how to solve. But when we talk too much about the current, people get too worked up because it's a current politics. So maybe I'll find something 50 years removed, not, you know. So let me pick on Sardar Kapoor Singh. I think here is a man who at his time is getting trained in the best institutions the world had availed in a Western sense because he goes to England. He's a Cambridge man. So he's got the worldly knowledge. Then he's also a civil servant from the British as well as for the Indian government because the India was getting independence in 47, so-called, right? So he's also a civil servant who sees how the, the governments operate. At the same time, he's also seeing how the Akali leadership, which at the time was much more Panthic leadership, is not working the way it's supposed to be working. So he critiques them, but he works with them. He goes to their conferences. He even drafts the Anandpur Sabra resolution. He meets Janayal Singh Pindrawala. He meets many other people. The mm -hmm. point is, here is an individual who knew very much that I am not the Akal Takh person, but I'm very much in a position and a privilege to keep these checks because that's all I can offer. I think this is where we are lacking many things now. Everyone who gets involved, either they think they need to become the Jathedar or the leader of whatever this you know, movement it might be, or the situation, or the Sarbat Khalsa, whatever it might be, they actually don't see their role. How do you keep your own leadership in check? How do you still contribute to making the changes? How everyone who works for any government is not an agent of the government, but this is the kind of knowledges they have brought in to see how the changes are brought in. He also became an MP. He served in the Rajya Sabha. He gave the, his you know, speech of the lifetime called Betrayal of the Sikhs speaking to the power in their own house of parliament, in, 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 Indian, in Indian parliament, that's what he did. So I think he's a great example to understand knowing your limitations, knowing your role, and then working through the system which is muddy, which is corrupt, but you're trying to make a change. And he is, I think his journey also tells us that if between, let's call it 30s and 80s, he passed away in 86. If this is what the level of leadership was with the biggest brain of the world we have had, Sikh world, who eventually believed that Nam is what inspires Sikhs, you know, all this tells us we are in a worse situation now in that category. We're in another good situation, but in this category, that those who can be part of these leaderships, they really need to understand the ground reality. And in that ground reality, we need to develop many more competencies. We need to know our own flaws. We need to also understand what kind of fraud is occurring. All this, we will be much, much better if we follow the ideas of Shabad. And Sardar Kapoor Singh exemplifies that for us. And I'm just going to do a quick time check. So we're going to pivot in a little bit to our second related topic. But if anyone who has joined us today, if you have questions, please feel free to post them in the chat. Just a reminder to identify your name and city when you do post your question. Um, and now going back to that thread. Um, so interestingly, nowadays, and maybe again, this is not just a nowadays issue, but when you see promising Sikh leadership, when you see a spark of somebody emerge, whether in the diaspora or elsewhere, we have this tendency that, you know, I think I like what you said, you said it's either you're a Jatidar or you're a head of a Jatibandi, or in Canada, you know, people say, why don't you become an MP? 
Like we have these categories where we think people should go if they have some leadership capability. And uh, again, it, it could be in, 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 in whatever shape or form, whether someone looks like they're a good emerging Bantic leader or a scholar or a thinker or a good business leader or whatever they happen to be. We all come and say, okay, you know what? Or we sometimes inadvertently push people into roles or I say onto pedestals that they never want to be on. And they never ask to be on ultimately setting ourselves up for disappointment. Um, are there, let's talk a little bit about that, about the different types of leaders, the different roles, the different places where we need to see or we, we should encourage Sikh leadership to, to emerge. Yeah, yeah. So the encouragement needs to be in all walks of life. That idea is very simple. You know, today's walks of life are what? Look, today we have more cultural creators than ever before. This is where the world is. Today, uh, the technology is driving the largest, biggest conversation. Just look at last week, the whole Elon Musk and Twitter conversation going on, right? So yeah. the, the, the socioeconomics and politics are completely coming together. So this is how they used to be earlier. They got a little bit, uh, we will call it dismantled, but they are coming back again. This is a cyclical trend. And this is where Sikhorn needs to understand that human rights even in case of U Ukraine and when the China is dealing with it, even when India, we are dealing with it, third year in a row, an agency in U.S., an independent agency has says country of particular concern for India. It is in the company of company, you know, countries like North Korea, right? And then we are expecting that the Sikh leadership and the Indian leadership and the Punjab's leadership will be able to figure out a solution. No, because everything is driven by economics. This is the reality we live in. So the leadership is needed in every position. We need people. Look, I'm going to give a very big historical example, which everyone knows. I think this might even shock some people. You know, when Chote Sabzadari Shahadat Hoi, who gave the space? Who was speaking in the court in Sarhand? They were not six, but they were six as well. They, maybe they were not Khalsas. So, you know, this is where the grayness comes in. They, they spoke up. You know, so every, this is what allyship means today. We need allyship everywhere. We need people who understand how, how the money works. We need to understand, we need people who understand how influence works. We need people who understand how culture uh, sort of creation works. And then we also need, which is the most important thing, which is what we are struggling with largely, uh, a panthic leadership, who knows how to work with all those strains? And this is where panthicness really matters. You know, whether you agree with Sardar Kapoor Singh or uh, some Jarnayal Singh Pindrawale, uh, that's a secondary issue. I'm not talking about that. But even they met and talked. And this is the idea, right? The panthic leadership is not about that somebody is an untouchable. We have created this new class of untouchabilities in the last few years. It doesn't work like that. We are the ones who work with everyone, but we must know the limits of the roles people are in. So Panthic leadership is cannot be driven by a party manifesto. But Panthic leadership very much understand that those who are serving in particular parties or particular economic fields or particular entertainment fields, how to best utilize their influence to, to either safeguard Sikh interest or literally sometimes to save Sikh lives. That's the work which is needed in Panthak leadership. They must not compromise, but they must know that everyone else who exists in other paradigms, 
that they have their limitations on how to work with them. Right. And I think that's a really good point that not everyone has to be everything at the same time. And people have their different spheres and they can be excel in their sphere as long as they are inspired by these concepts of, you know, the Guru's concept of leadership or Guru-inspired living. Uh, but we, we need to understand and, and elevate and support people for their particular roles in the particular spheres where they have that influence. Um, we, we do have Sorry. a tendency. Yeah. 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 Robert, I, I forgot to give the example. So the example I was going to give yeah. that because we are, we are getting too caught up in that. And so let me give that example. You know, just because yeah. somebody works within the Sikh world doesn't mean they're working for Sikh interests either. Like, look, who was Gangu? <laughs> he was a chef for the guru. And look what he did. Inner circle, we would say, right? So close. And to then the on the other side, look who is uh, giving the uh, real estate for Chote Sabzada's last saskars. He's a Jain. People don't even, I mean, he's giving, he's putting every money he's got, who otherwise works at the socioeconomic level with the state at the time. But he says, here is, here is what I'm going to do. So this, the Panthic leadership inspired not only Sikhs, but also non-Sikhs who worked with the gurus, who worked with the Sikhs to deliver either certain rights um, or uh, for the Sikh community or the community at large, which included non-Sikhs. So, you know, going down in that direction a little bit more, let's talk about diversity in leadership or lack of diversity in leadership. So there's the obvious, debates that we've had and we continue to have around gender representation and, you know, at, at the um, at the risk of, of, you know, happy to be criticized on this, but uh, we even see in those glimpses, those pockets where we've had uh, women elevate to positions of leadership uh, in the fund, uh, again, the lack of guru-inspired leadership, you know, where it leads us, right? We have uh, just the fact having women there is not going to be the answer. Uh, we still need to keep focusing on the fact that we need, uh, you know, leaders who are inspired with the right principles. So, so gender representation is one issue. Um, the other issue we have in Sikh leadership, I think, anyways, whether it's diaspora or other, otherwise, is this extreme homogeneity when it comes to caste representation, which we can't seem to shed, regardless of the fact that we say, and we're so proud of the fact that, you know, the principles were laid down by our gurus were irrespective of any kind of creed, gender, nationality, etc., um, but there's another leadership angle too, which is in this day and age, you know, does everyone who's a Sikh leader need to look like a Sikh? Do we have a concept that you can only be a Sikh leader if you have certain ideal Sikh principles, both internally and externally? And we've talked about the internal a little bit, but, you know, can a Sikh leader be a Sikh leader, even though they're still on the journey to being a Sikh themselves? Yeah, I think those are excellent questions. So look, anyone can be in a leadership position. Question is, at which role? We do this at works as well, guys. I mean, I don't know why we're not applying this within the sick fold. You know, if you need a best lawyer, we should be looking for the best lawyer, not just because that's the competency. When we are looking for somebody to do Amr Sanchar, we should be looking for the ones who exemplify that, right? So we are looking, we cannot apply criteria's crisscrossing. We, we need to be very clear about the criteria. So when we talk about failure in leadership, as you were talking about since 47, we actually are talking about political leadership. 
Well, if that's the criteria, then we really need to bring people who understand the politics, people who understand legislative affairs, people who understand mediation, right? But what we end up doing is we find the best figureheads of a Jathe Bandi who otherwise might be very good in understanding their theology or something else, or maybe they're representative of a political party, but that doesn't mean they are the ones who are going to do those negotiations. And this is why we are having failures. Uh, so Panthic leadership, Panthic leadership, this idea of five were people who look like a Sikh and behave like a Sikh. They are Nam and Shabad inspired. In their circle needs to be all competent people, regardless of their religiosity, even sometimes regardless of their religion or irreligion, because you're trying to find the right people to get the job done. I think this is where we have a lot of confusions. Uh, we have had people who look like Sikhs. Look, you look at any major uh, quote-unquote Panthik Jathebandi, as self-identified most people say, and you look at the pictures even they put out. I mean, they all look the same. You're right. And if they were really the best leaders available, and if they really were best practitioners of Sikhi, why are we where we are in the last 70 years then? Which means something is amiss. And the miss is we need to actually bring the right core competencies together. We need to make sure Panthic leadership is not compromising, but is fully understanding of people's positions. And then only they need to have gender diversity. They all need to have regional diversity. We just talked about Panjipayare. We are refusing to do that. You know, when we are refusing to do that, people fight for power. The human dimensions come in. The egos kick in. That's how TSGMC was made. That's how Haryana Gurdwara Parvanda Committee got made. That's how Canadian Coalition of Gurdwaras and OGCs, the two in Toronto, got made. Yeah. This is happening globally because we actually are not truly representative even internally. How can we demand that externally? So that diversity is not just of gender. It's of regionalism. It is about the caste. It is also about thought. And I want to focus most on that. We never had issues earlier when people believed in different interpretations. Now we fight about that. We want people with different interpretations. That's a personal experience too. We need to bring those interpretations for the delivery for the community or the community at large, whichever country we might be living in. So in West, we need to work with the disenfranchised communities here. You know, the question then becomes of the Panthic leadership, which barriers are you breaking? And I'm gonna end there. Really, Panthic leadership was about removing barriers, finding the best available answers with the best available resources to deliver that. Currently, we struggle with removing barriers, so we are adding more barriers and making the ideals lesser and lesser. So I'm going to challenge you a little bit on that. You know, do we do we really need to make room for different interpretations? Do we need to encourage, in a way, because is, is this not a diversion in and of itself? We have a lot to do right now. We have a lot to focus on. We do at least have some semblance of what the, you know, a commonality of Sikh interpretation if we focus, uh, you know, purely on uh, the interpretation that's largely accepted uh, as, as, you know, kind of under the leadership of, of the, uh, the, the, the Akal Takhtar, we'll say, whatever is kind of still linked back to our, um, of, you know, our ancestors or our forefathers and foremothers from 50 to 60 to 70 years ago when the Sikh Marat Mariada was codified, probably longer. But 
you know, to, in my mind, like if we focusing on different interpretations and communities that have gone off uh, under different interpretations and, you know, either their own sex or their own uh, kind of uh, offshoots of Sikhism, doesn't that dilute us in a way? Um, we don't, we have limited energy. Yes. So I was, uh, what I was saying was that the ones who are making decisions need to be fully understanding of that and need to look. The problem we are facing, and I've been part of some of these where we are trying to find solutions, things get played out of social media, committees actually never get made to do the actual work, and it becomes a political decision at the end of the day. And what I'm referring to is this committee work. Even in the right. you know these Western democracies or in corporate houses or in nonprofits or wherever else we might be in the world, there is a system how you develop an answer. And that answer is developed by subject matter experts. They need to understand these interpretations. I'm not saying every interpretation needs to be equally weighed in, uh, but the theological interpretation must not be allowed to challenge the panthic solutions we are looking for. Unless that solution is, for example, you know, currently there's a debate going on on standardization of Guru Granth Sahib's proofing, because that proofing standardization doesn't exist. And this issue comes up every couple of years uh, and it gets tossed in the media. Uh, I've seen it going on for the last 20 years. And then people get, you know, you, you find somebody, a scapegoat. If somebody challenges the authority, then they became the scapegoat. The actual issue is not that. The actual issue is we know that it's been 100 years that there are issues related to the printing of Guru Granth Sahib's bill. We need to actually do the work. That work needs to be done by people who understand the not just the literary knowledges, you know, of the manuscripts, but also are experienced in this. And they are from the diverse, uh, what we'll call subject matter experts from various schools of thought. They need to work together and say to the team of Akalta Jathedars and SGPCs and the Panthic organizations, here is what we came up with. We believe this is what needs to happen. And they have to really work together. This is where different interpretations matter. And that should be then presented and through a Kaltak and other spaces be asked to be followed. But what happens is we never do that work, you know? And since we don't do that work, we end up punting, you know, so this is what we are going through. So when I said varieties, varieties need to be understood by uh, the ones who are trying to come up with the solution. And then in that consensus building, you present things to the authoritative bodies for implementation. Very aspirational. Well, but this is what on. it is, right? I mean, I don't know what else yeah. we can do. Otherwise, you see constant manipulation. I think it's very basic. But yes, it is very aspirational. It is very basic because we don't do this and we don't do this. So we keep facing the same issue. And we then it looks like nothing ever is happening. Like if I talk to you about from last year when we talked to now, it looked like nothing has happened. No, many things have happened. But here is the biggest thing on our minds now, you know, because this is in the news for last two weeks, you know. Right. Uh, so it's always, look, Vasaki has always been, I want to come back to it maybe in the larger ma macro picture. Vasaki has always been about Granth and Panth coming together. It really is. Whether Guru Nanak Sahib did it, or whether Guru Amar Das Padshah called for gathering on the Sakhi at Goindwal, or Dasame Padshah, 
It is what is the idea we practice? We now call that Guru Granth Sahib. It is not just an idea. It is not just a book. It is Guru. So we take it to that level. And those who interpret this for the betterment of the community, guess what? A year later, we are still struggling with this because the last time it happened, even it's a different incarnation of, you know, uh, uh, sort of what happened in Punjab in the last seven years, so many commissions said they still did not solve this problem. Because the problem is not getting solved, its varieties of manifestations keep coming out, and it will only be solved when we ourselves are really wrestling with it. I don't think we wrestle with it enough. Uh, then we can celebrate Vasakhi at the highest levels. Then we can take on some bigger issues. I think people at large are doing it. If you look at last year's successes, you know how Sangat or Sikhs at large show up to support, whether it's the farmers movement, uh, whether it is the ideas of Kurpurubs coming together again. Community is always there. We are serving Langar still. We are also serving uh, people at large. We are also very worried about situation in Punjab and situation in India. We are also worried about, if you want to bring in Canada, what has happened with admittance of the Canadian government with the indigenous populations. But mm -hmm. the worriness in that second part is not getting transferred to what can we say in somewhat consensual manner, let's take care of this one or two things this year. That part is not happening because in order for that to get implemented, we need to have people who actually design the work, work on it day and out, and that's when it can happen. Yeah. So we have a good audience question that I think links into this conversation at this part. Um, so from Nawab Singh, we have a question that, um, from their point of view, that Sikhs have not really understood the true message of Guru Nanak and the absence of that. In the absence of that, how do we hope to create true leaders? I think that's a great question, but I'll take it in spirit because I think there's a bit of a fallacy. We will never fully understand any idea. I mean, look, when we work somewhere, do we fully understand what we are doing? No. When we are even uh, the best lawyers like yourself, Raman, I'm sure you will say, I don't fully understand uh, how can the charter be fully interpreted of Canada, for example, right? We can never fully understand, but what is always clear if the intent is clear and allegiance is clear, things happen. If somebody at your work questions your intent, your allegiance to your work, you will be fired. Right. This is where we are. We will never fully understand the Shabbat. We, we do not have the capacity to fully understand Guru Nanak. He is operating in Tithakad. He has Surt Mataman Bud. You know, I have not even able to sharpen one part of it. Uh, right. He is operating in different environment because Gurus are perfection. But my intent toward the Guru and my allegiance to the Guru, that must not be questionable. And I think this is where issues are. We need, we, we do not look for perfect people. We will never find perfect people. We look for flawed people. And we work with the flawed people whose intents and whose allegiance was 100% clear. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point is the intent and the allegiance is what should be first and foremost. Uh, because otherwise we will continue to look for perfection. Or, like I said earlier, we will continue to elevate people who will then disappoint ourselves because our concept of what a true leader is, uh, is you know, it, it, it failed to, to it, it failed from the, the beginning. 
Uh, and we often, you know, when we talk in, in colloquial terms as well, we say, you know, leaders come from the population, right? You only get the leader you deserve or you only get the leader that you are able to develop. You know, w- the leaders aren't going to drop in from out of the sky somewhere. They emerge from amongst us. Uh, and in a way, I know, especially when we talk about Punjab politics, but I think it's true of the diaspora as well. We tend to separate ourselves uh, a little bit too much in some ways. Um, but really, you know, we are, we, we are, the leaders are us <laughs> and the leaders are only going to be as good as we are in a sense. When I say the, the large communal we, right. Um, and so maybe in that sense, then if we focus on your, your last comment, you know, we need to focus and ensure that our intent and our allegiance is focused, that we are pointed all in the right direction, regardless of, again, if we have a difference in how we practice or our interpretation or where we are in our journey, uh, because that's when we can really have, you know, a leadership emerge from among us that is also focused when it comes to intent, but not only intent and inspiration, but you said this earlier as well, behavior, right? That's one place where we can all start, which is, you know, in your own sphere, focusing on your own behavior. And is it guru centered and is it guru focused? And are you pointing in the right direction? So let's apply the Khalsa here, right? The historical understanding of Khalsa included both. For example, when Pai Nandalal is writing this, you know, the one who is a court poet of Guru Gobind Singh, he says, Khalsa sojo nirdhanko pala, the one who takes care of the destitute. But it also says, Khalsa sojo dushtko gale, the one who takes care of the tyrants. And this is where we are caught up today again. Why are we saying that we don't need to take care of the destitutes? And why are we saying those who take care of the tyrants are not doing the right thing? Well, the Khalsa is a collective. In that collective, we have both. We have many more, but I'm just using those two to make a point. We need to really develop. This is the understanding that, you know, this is part of us. And if I'm not able to do that, uh, let the other person do it. But it is part of who we are. This is part of Khalsa behavior, Khalsa character. This is what Guru Gobind Singh says, Satgurpura. Khalsa mera Satgurpura. So Khalsa is vast, like the Shabad is, like the Guru is. Khalsa is not an individual. Uh, Khalsa is not a jathe bandi. Khalsa is the embodiment of Guru Gobind Singh Maharaj and Guru Nanak Sahib. It's an embodiment of the Shabad who lives that Shabad. In that embodiment, individuals will be imperfect, but in the collective, we must accept that there are going to be seemingly conflicting things, like people say about gurus, we will, they will say about Khalsa as well. But the Khalsa, or those who, asp- who are, uh, have aspiration to be become like the Khalsa, they must not have those conflicts. We must say, Ki meri ye capability hai. I do not have this, but I support this because this is part of who we are. So, you know, so going forward from there, is it consistent with the concept of secular democracy or secular Western democracies? Although I, I don't think, I think we have this fallacy again that this is a, a Western concept to have leaders who are inspired by religious principles. Uh, you know, you hear this, this is another common recurring theme, uh, whether there's a place for people. Who, and again, I'm not talking about religious leaders in religious spaces, um, but leaders who are inspired by, by Sikh principles in political spheres, generally. Well, look, Western democracy is going through its own demise, and that's being debated politically and philosophically, and now even in social sciences. Because we we see the reality of democracy like America and democracy like India 
in a democracy like Pakistan and many other democracies, including Russia, because they are also parts of manipulations are available, how the systems of governance can be manipulated to disenfranchise people from even voting in many cases. So that said, I'll take it in the larger concept of when, when the gurus were operating, we were dealing with uh, systems of kings and emperors. Okay, largely, that's, that was the area. So gurus dealt with that in that system. When we had 18th century six, they're dealing with sub-element of that. They are dealing not as much with emperors directly. Some cases they're invaders. In some cases, there are kings who are fighting in the area, but there is a lot of fluidity. So they were also fluid because they did not establish a domain. You know, when we try to understand missiles, this, has, this is how we should understand. They're dealing with very fluid idea of a domain. So they were also fluid even within themselves. Okay, we come to Maharaja Ranjit Singh period. Well, the British has an empire, now the Sikhs have an empire. But remember, and I'm answering this in a, in a little bit longish way, but it's important. Even Ranjit Singh, although it was a monarchy, because British Empire, although it had its own Western idea of it, but the monarchies were very common in Asia at the time. He even called it Sarkare Khalsa, which means he's trying to be in the vicinity of the Khalsa. Did he misuse that word? Likely, because he did not apply all the Khalsa principles, but we see that happening. You know, now we, in the last 100 years, we've seen democratic systems taking over Sikh institutions, and this is what you're referring to, and also non-Sikh institutions like in Canada, those who are becoming MPs. Look, there is always, always, regardless of wherever you are in the world, there is always an interaction between religion and politics. Uh, we can debate whether there is a separation of church and state, as America likes to say it, and certain French philosophers, but that's not the forum. But there is, there is no denial by anyone. The influencers of religion and politics are always working together. I mean, look at even Putin's Russia. He himself and host family converted to Christianity. This is why the right wing in America does not say anymore godless Russians, because they are not anymore. <laughs> they actually became Christians, right? So this is always happening. For us, what do we do? Look, our current struggle is that when uh, a no, when a Sikh operating in a non-Panthic affair is operating through a particular political party, in India, we have a different measure, and then we have a different standard when they're doing it outside of India. We need to get out of that sort of a dichotomy as well. We need to understand they all pay allegiance to their political parties, and it is a struggle. I mean, this is struggle for every Sikh. This is even a larger struggle, which I don't think is being fully acknowledged by those who are initiated into the Khalsa order because we have those at the highest levels of leadership. They serve not only in BJP, for example, in India, they serve in Congress, they serve in AAP, they serve in Akalis and many other parties. Similarly, they serve in NDP, they serve in liberals, and they serve in conservatives. If we look at the collective delivery, can we say anywhere we have had collective delivery for six? I think our answer will be no. There have been individual successes. So the religious allegiance or religiosity of an individual needs to be utilized for delivering something for Sikh community or delivering something for, something for the community at large. That needs to be the criteria. Whether they are, uh, what level of religiosity they are practicing, that should not be discussed. That's an individual matter. Yeah. But whatever level they are practicing, we should be asking, what are you doing for the larger community out of this? And if they are able to do 
one or two things in your tenureship. That's a lot. Don't expect too many things. We yeah. know it takes years of work to build alliances, to build your influence. And then at some point, you know, whether it's five to 10 years to go deliver one big thing before we can say they didn't do anything. Yeah. And so particularly speaking for the diaspora, you know, at one point we would say, you know, at, at least there was representation, right? Representation was the starting point, uh, having the community reflected in the uh, political leadership. And and then, of course, as time has gone on, we have more representation and we've checked that box. It's kind of, you know, now, you know, then the focus is like, okay, now we are looking for concrete support of community initiative. We're looking for how are you there for the community? But I think the next step is the one you're speaking to, which is the ability to actually rise above whatever political ideological differences there are and work at a collective level, at least for certain initiatives. We we can't imagine or expect that for everything, but at least for very certain important Bantic initiatives to rise above those uh, differences and, and work at a collective level, uh, particularly when there's a lot of commonality among some of our younger leaders. I can say that for Canada for sure. Um, and I do see there is an audience question uh, so I will come to it. Uh, we're, we're going to pivot a little bit in terms of our topic, and I think it's going to fit into our second topic. But before we kind of do that segue, Harinder, um, you know, I think we can't leave this topic without talking about what's happened in Punjab and in India in the last little while. And there's a number of things we could we could pick on. But I, but I do, you know, a, a, a common, you know, something that we've all been been talking about and trying to understand the different facets of it. Uh, and in a way, a glimpse of hope, or maybe a glimmer of hope, at least from my perspective, we see what emerged out of the Kisan movement, uh, uh, and then the you know the very quick push to uh, you know again uh, maybe our our haste in in trying to take something and, and turn it into something much larger than it was intended to be. Um, there there was the push from uh, you know the, there was the trend I guess the, the the transference of the leaders from the Kisan movement into. Uh, you know, political party in Punjab, um, but also we we've seen the extreme rallying, I guess, support around people like Deep Sidhu and other personalities by the younger generation. You know, almost in a hope, almost in a way, you say the younger generation was yearning for a hero, and uh, when they find the hero that they think they have, you know, everyone tends to there's a there's a lot of bandwagoning that happens. I'm not saying it in a derogatory way. Uh, uh, so, so let's talk about that a little bit. You know, you know, what, what are, you know, was there in my mind, and, and I'm interested in your, uh, your, um, your, your interpretation of this. You know, you need to have a right set of circumstances, and and there was a right set of circumstances coming out of some of the wokeness that was created from the Kassan, uh movement. There was a mm-hmm. there was an element of secularism to that that allowed people to attach themselves in a much larger way than. Perhaps if it was just a singular Sikh issue or a focused Sikh issue, uh, and then you see this real, you know, again extreme exuberance or uh, um, uh, support, you know, enthusiastic support for the so-called leaders that emerged, and then in some ways quickly die down. And, and I mean that metaphorically more than anything else, because uh, obviously we know there's a tragedy, a personal tragedy involved here as well. So, so your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think this is where the rubber meets the road, as they say, right? Uh, everything we have talked about till now, this is culminating here, and this is a good case study. So we what we see successes. What success do we see? That people at large might not fully understand the issue, but their intent and their allegiance was so clear. Let me just apply that here. People at large, it was so clear. 
you know, we talk about the diversities of people. We talk about you know, uh, building an allyship uh, to understand what really is the project in this movement. And people came together. Diaspora and Homeland came together. Rest of India and South Asia came together. Uh, many things happened. The castes came together. Different socioeconomic people came together. Different political ideologies. Women showed up together. in ways. The women showed so up in ways. That's like a huge success. So yeah. That's a huge success. In that success, what we have been discussing also is Panthic leadership's role. That's where the extreme failure is. Extreme failure is because we do not have a concerted Panthic leadership, they were not able to figure out how to utilize this amazing uh, exemplification and display of solidarity for the benefit of the Sikhs and for the benefits of India and diaspora. And that's where the struggle is because people, that committee thing I was talking about, taking the diversity of opinions, coming up with the plan, fueling the plan with the money, with the people, with the strength, and then getting it accepted. Like one thing, I this is not about creating five or 10 things. Remember Vasaki, the, look, six used to have Jod Medlas on Vasaki too. They used to come up with a single point and at most two point plan, which they will finish. We did not come back with a single point plan because we do have, this is why we're saying, how do we revive Pantic leadership? People, Deep Sidhu, Sandeep Singh is a great inspiration. You may agree or disagree with whatever he did, but there is no questioning that he represented a particular stream of consciousness which crossed many boundaries, which spoke to the sovereign element of the six. This is not about debate on him, and I'm not going to get into that. We must acknowledge this is what public leadership should be doing. You know, we can, in, in internal reflections, we can say what needs to happen and where. I was there on the day of his book as well, and I saw the crowds. This is about public response. I'm not going to get into everything else which has to do with manipulations also. But that stream of consciousness exists, which I think is a great news. I mean, you yeah. know, we've been told youth is not interested, youth is drug infected, youth has cut his hair. Guess what? Uh, there is that awakening which is happening and which may not look like whatever you might want from a particular look of a six, but that consciousness does wonders and it exists. I think that's the best news. The Pantic leadership is where our struggle has been for decades. And if this is yet another point, if there is someone, a Jathe Bandi or a Kaltak or people who are interested in creating some sovereign system of the six to utilize these opportunities, today's, today's vocabulary, these opportunities keep coming. And we don't have a plan. We don't have how to utilize these opportunities for the public benefit, whether it is for the Khalsa systems or whether it is for community at large. So that's what it is. That's how I see the movement. And we had discussions on this. I was involved in the early phase with the some of the leaders involved. In the post stage, I was in India last month. I talked to some of the leaders yep. who are anti-establishment. They are pausing because again, yet another opportunity lost. And we keep losing these opportunities because we are not doing the grunt work. Grunt work is not done by public. People who are planners, people who are going to think about varying thoughts and the realities, especially the ground reality within Punjab, ground reality within India, they have to come up with the plan and then the public will support. 
as we have seen in last uh, one and a half years as well. So I'm going to pivot and segue, and I think I've been a little late doing that because we got caught up in our discussion, but just into our, our slightly related kind of second topic, um, which has to do with, you know, again, we, we've, in a way, it's a, it's a major success in the diaspora and, and in, in India as well, that we have at least come to mark certain sick days, significant days in the sick calendar. Uh, in Canada, we have the month of April as Sikh Heritage Month. I know there are declarations and proclamations from various like state uh, assemblies, um, all sorts of jurisdictions around the world mark significant Sikh days. Uh, you know, is uh, and 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 again, opportunity for us to celebrate, opportunity for us to be thankful, opportunity for us to reflect um, on all the greatness that has come before us. Um, but then, you know, maybe a little bit more. And, and what I want to connect this to is, you know, what are ways in which we can use these successes and at least this recognition that we have in the diaspora um, to, again, be as uh, as positive and as contributory as possible to the situation? Again, we, we're talking about India because you're right, 80% of the population is there and, and we can't have a conversation around Sikhs and Sikhi and, uh, and development of Sikh leaders without talking about India. But how, how do we use these opportunities to actually help the situation on the ground and not become more of a diversion for them as well. Yeah, so uh, the, the the heritage includes Sikh heritage, right? All of it. We need to be cognizant of that. It includes the elements we may not like personally because I'm not able to do it or my party or my cohort doesn't like that. So heritage includes all, our full narrative. Full narrative, if somebody needs to get a summary of it, just read the first three paragraphs of Ardas. There is no time bound there. This is our full narrative. It is not everything is clean and sanitized. Some of it is very bloody as well. That's part of our heritage as well, because Dust Kogale was part of Khalsa heritage. And we remain uh, like that. Its outer manifestations may change. Second thing we can do is that we need to look at all this, which is a great celebration uh, in a sort of at a cusp of community at large, but we are not entering community at large even now. When I look at the Guru period, when when I look at 100 years ago, Vasakhi, you know, in Guru period, Gurus went to the larger festivals and they did their interpretations and alliance building there. When I look at 100 years ago, we still did this. The person who was breaking barriers 100 years was Baba Sahib Ambedkar. On Vasakhi Day, he was invited to Amritsar because he was best competent man looking at the South Asian reality, breaking those barriers. And they got so enthused with it, they said, let's set up Khalsa College in Bombay, and they did the fundraising and bought the space. We need to be doing this. In our celebrations, there needs to be that project, even if it's only one project, to figure out who is breaking these barriers today, either in your locale or in the larger community, uh, including in India, and let's support them with tan man and tan. So this project building is very, very important. Otherwise, it will be left only to festivity. Uh, and I understand festivity. We all love selfies and we like to show that who came to this event and it shows influence perhaps, but look, Unless there is a delivery for strengthening of the Khalsa or uh, rights for the community at large, this leadership, uh, this celebration 
is reduced to a merely annual ritual. So there's, I'm going to go pivot to the audience question now and maybe interpret it slightly in my own way to, to relate it to our conversation as well. So this comes from Fairball Singh in Daytona Beach, Florida. And I think the gist of their question is around the maybe the lack of the ability of the Akaltaks to fully embrace the needs uh, and the, um, uh, I guess, to, 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 to be reflective and embrace the needs of the broader diaspora. So kind of focus maybe a little too narrowly on uh, what's happening in Punjab or in terms of, you know, the, the question relates to the, the Akaltaks' inability to, or the, I shouldn't say Akaltaks, our SGPC and our leadership's inability uh, to fully understand what is diversity in leadership and what diversity is all about. And therefore, um, the gist of the question is around whether Hukumnama should apply to the diaspora. But I'm going to twist this up slightly and to say, you know, are we, do we suffer from a real lack of the ability of our central leadership to really fully understand um, the needs, but also the motivations of the broader diaspora? And is that an issue? Should we Should we even be looking to central leadership to do that? I think the answer has been clear for decades. We we shouldn't be looking, but they need to be part of our awareness. We know it is not effective. We know the stands there change based on the political parties' alliances, uh, Akali parties' alliances. I mean, the answer is Akal Takht as an institution is a Sikh institution, and we remain aligned to it, and we will listen to it. But at the same time, let's apply 100 years ago. Practicality is, when it was run by the British Stooges, Sikhs were very aware of it, that even when they did their photo ops and when they did their saropas, Sikhs were aware that why this is happening, and they just let it go until they recaptured it. Today, the, uh, the, the question which came, and I'm going to take that question, what can we do in our locales? Well, this is what you can do in your organization, in your sangat. Are you reviving Panthic endeavors, the levels of Panthic leadership models? Because if we are also not doing it and we keep blaming them who are wrestling with much more powers to be, we get a little bit of a power in our Gurdwara and organization. We don't let go. I mean, white beards like me keep running the same organizations for decades. You know, so where is our model of Gurchela? In our households, in our organizations here, out here in diaspora and in homeland, remove yourself from SGPC and DSGMC and political parties for a second. Rest of them can do it. I don't see that in Panthik Jathe Bandis. I don't see this in nonprofits. I don't, I mean, it's a serious problem, which means let's not escape gold where the game and the money is bigger than the Game of Thrones, and that was fictional. The game, we <laughs> in our own organizations is also very much the same, and we need to change things there. Because if enough of the organizations and nonprofits and Jathe Bandis actually revive the Panthak model leadership within themselves, then when the opportunity comes next, maybe we'll be able to change it and provide the right committees so the Jathe Dars and the SGPCs are able to possibly make the right decision. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a little bit. I mean, I see that as one of the more acute potential, you know, I guess maybe crisis is a big word, but real challenges coming up is that we have in the diaspora done quite well over the last 30 to 40 years, but really not focused on succession and leadership. Uh, and to your point, yes, the white beards have been running the same Gurdwara since 
when they don't like the Gurdwara, they've just built another one. Uh, and uh, and I don't know if there is on the next level of Sikh leadership to fill the void. In some pockets, there are. In the U.S., for example, and to an extent in Canada and other countries, we've seen post-9-11 the emergence of great Sikh organizations that are focused in their own spheres, maybe an alternative um, to what was you know, the previously the only option for a place to go for community guild building and community gathering, which was the Gurdwara. We know the Gurdwara can't be everything to everyone, and they shouldn't be, and we need these other organizations. But we still need someone uh, as a succession plan for the Gurdwaras as well. We can't abandon them either. And I have this debate with young people quite often. And in fact, we are facing the situation where I'm in, in Toronto, where Gurdwara committees are, on one hand, begging for young people to come in, uh, because they frankly are probably ready to retire, <laughs> move to Florida and, uh, you know, bask in the sun. Um, and, uh, but on the other hand, uh, you have young people saying, well, that's, you know, I've seen how tough that is. I know what that involves. That's not for me. I'll happy to, you know, I'll volunteer with this organization. We have food banks, you know, we have international aid organizations. We have all sorts of wonderful things happening, uh, but we have nobody who seems to want to be stepping into this succession plan. So, Raman, I mean, this is something which is, again, the writing is on the wall. Uh, and the writing is so clearly on the wall. Let's apply the guru model. Well, they all developed it. Are we developing it? Are we allowing it? And this is not about just developing leadership. I think we might be doing that, but we're talking about Pantak leadership. So in our first generation and second generation organizations, are we really developing Pantak leadership? Are they ready to negotiate? Forget India for a second and Punjab for a second, as some have suggested, including yourself. Are we able to do that in Toronto? Are we able to do that in Canada, in America, wherever we might be existing? Pantic leadership has the same model again, you know, which means knowing Shabbat-based inspirations. Sure, now there are organizations, and I think Sikh Research Institute and myself, I'm part of this. We may be building governances. We may be building funding mechanisms. We may be, you know, 2Xing and 5Xing the number of people who work for us. But are we also developing a Pantic leadership? I think the answer is going to be, at best, maybe, most likely, no. So our work is cut out. Just like the previous question, this one applies to us as much. Let's do it in our organizations. There will be imperfections, but can we take our model of single man running these organizations to preparing you know, five to run it? You know? uh, again, yeah. we are not gurus. We can never be gurus, but we take the modeling from the gurus. So if one person cannot do it, then develop five to do it, develop 10 to do it. And that's the idea. And I think our work is cut out. We struggle with it because we have not created those spaces. Uh, it is, And I don't even want to say it's hard because everything is hard. We talked about it. You know, this is what the Khalsa ideals are. If we keep saying it's hard, we are not working hard enough or smart enough to take care of it. Maybe we are still not love-drenched. You know, naam te shabad sadi consciousness which eda matlab aje nahi aaya leadership We are seeing that very clearly. Six are punching above yeah. their weight in every field. If you go by the representative politics, uh, apply that representation to other spheres of life, we are making great leaps, giant leaps, actually, you know, showing up in every space of life. You know, we are ready for even Grammys now, right? So it's an entertainment. 
it's in colleges, universities, it's in IT sector worlds, it's in medicines, but organizations which started even 50 years ago are at a cusp of when their founders are leaving or dying of folding because we actually are not developing not only leadership, we are not paying attention to developing Panthak leadership there. So we can have the best doctors and the best doctor organizations, lawyers and the best lawyer organizations, but are they Panthic? And how to make them more Panthic needs to become the mandate of all these organizations. Uh, so it, we have a audience comment that I think is something that I know resonates with you and you've commented on a lot. Uh, and the Bob Singh from Georgetown has said, you know, we need to create formalized leadership capsules for young budding leaders uh, for the future in North America. But I would say the future of of the six months everywhere in, in Punjab, in India, in the diaspora, no matter where the diaspora is. And I know this is something that you've commented on in the past is, you know, almost like a leadership academy, right? Like where we, a place where we can at least have a formalized way to, to think about, um, again, creating those types of leaders that are guru centered and guru inspired and have the opportunity to, to, to flourish. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we we are doing experiments and other organizations do that too. You know, our program is called SIDAG, but it, it, does, it only covers the idea level, not the practical levels, right? And those practical levels, we need much more look. You know, uh, people ask me, how come Sikh leadership is not getting developed? Well, where are they getting trained? Like, for example, State Department runs a program in America where they invite leaders from each country and states, including in India, like regionals, you know, provinces, states. But since we don't have country or a state, we can never enter those to get trained into how the world is operating. We can never have accesses to where people are influencing decisions. So our work is really cut out. We need to operate more and as a commonwealth, sick commonwealth idea. And yes, one of the works is to develop uh, understanding uh, how the world works how to create influence and work with influencers, that kind of training as well. There are many trainings needed. If we really had independent Akaltak, they would be running that. That's how it used to happen. If we don't have it, here is one project. Yeah, you can help us build that or uh, someone uh, who is who has philanthropist interests should seriously think about developing what we call political leaders or civil leaders who will work for the six. Yeah, and I think if we simplify it, I mean that's a it's a great idea, and you know we have all sorts of great projects that have taken fruition over the last 10, 20 years. So it's not outside the realm of possibility that we will have uh, enough focus from the bump and support to be able to get there. Um, but on a very simple level, you know, I say I'm asking the audience, and we've got some good questions here. Um, if you are a community leader, if you have the opportunity to have worked in a community organization. You know, we, we say this in, in popular, the kind of management learning circles that great leaders, the job of great leader is to create the next great leader that comes behind them. Uh, so maybe you can inspire someone, maybe you can mentor someone, maybe there's somebody in your circle uh, that you see that has this spark that you can create an opportunity for and create a space for as well. I think if we all just found one person uh, and said, we're going to foster this one person uh, as you know our own personal legacy, uh, that would be a great improvement over what we have uh, today. In a way, I feel like, uh, and I'm, and I'm, I apologize because I'm really just focusing on what is my own experience, which is a sick diaspora in Canada, uh, second generation, generation immigrant child. Um, I, it, it's almost like the the leadership of our time was created almost by accident, <laughs> you know, organically. Uh, there wasn't a design, and we're 
unfortunate for where we've come. Um, but I think your point and the point that we've been discussing is we need to have a design. We can't just let things happen the way they're going to happen. We need to have a focus and an intent uh, and, a, again, put our resources and our support in that direction because it's, uh, you know, it, we're, we're, re- we're ready for that. Next. Going back to where we started our conversation around uh, Guru Gobind Singh Ji and Basakhi 1699 and how the sixth month was nourished and developed over the period of the first nine gurus until we were at the point that the revelation was possible. We were at the point of maturity where the Panchbyari would come forward and we would have a transference to the collective. Uh, we've been incubating for a really long time now. Uh, and, you know, maybe need to start focusing on when that incubation point can go to a more formalized perspective when it comes to building Sikh leadership within the diaspora and, and within Punjab as well. Uh, yeah, and I would actually say, I think, yes, that's true. But at the same time, the design has always been there. In the house of Guru Nanak Saab, the design was always Shabad. Yeah. And if the Shabad is missing in the training, then it's a flawed design or it's a design for some other end. It is not going to get us the Panthak leadership. And that's sort of a running thread we see in our history for 553 years now. You know, there we had people came in leadership positions and we didn't like them because they were not as inspired by Shabad. We all had moments, you know, like many Masans were great, but many became corrupt because Shabad inspiration died. And sort of where we are today. Many end up in good places because they were inspired by some value of Sikhi, and we talk about it. But at some point, something else superseded that. And the Panthic leadership, it can never supersede that. That's the difference. I think that's a that's a great idea for us to kind of focus on for the last couple of minutes we have left. Um, and, you know, we do find there are glimpses, you know, there's periods in our, I'm going to talk about the recent history where there seems to be a renaissance or a return to focus on Shabbat. Uh, and then because of what's happening in the political diaspora or otherwise, you know, whatever kind of dialogue is popular, people really focusing on separation of church and state or focusing on, you know, this idea of, you know, as you hear a lot of people say, well, I'm spiritual. You know, I believe in spirituality. I believe in being a good person, but I'm not a religious person. Or, you know, I'm not going to 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 say I have any particular allegiance or affinity to a religious philosophy, philosophy but I'm a, I'm a spiritual person. We, we see that even in six circles a lot. We see that discussion coming up now. Um, but I, I think that's a really good way to kind of focus us before for the last couple of minutes, which on really going back to the essence, which is Shabbat and the design that has always been there. And, and the way in which, you know, we, we've said this, we were taught this, the universality of it, uh, but then we tend to forget what that truly, truly means and, and how that means it does permeate every walk of life. Uh, and there it is not, it's not a dichotomy, right? It's not a inconsistency to say, I'm going to live according to these principles, which are my religious principles, and I'm using the word religious loosely there, my Bantic principles, the design that was laid down by Guru Nanak, and, and that is not inconsistent with living in a secular world or a world where people seem to be less comfortable uh, with a you know, very public allegiance to a religious philosophy. Uh, look, yeah, from Guru Nanak onward, his reality was just like our reality. Uh, he was also dealing with job issues, money issues, political right issues, jail issues, sexuality issues, family issues. I mean, how is that any different than us? 
And that's what he was dealing with. And in there, he proposed for himself and those who wanted it, a model of Kartarpur, which was inspired by creating a reality in that muddy uh, sort of complexities of life. It was open to all. His own two kids did not accept it. So we need to understand that model. This is how it started. So when somebody says today, I'm not religious, I'm not spiritual, Panthak leader needs to understand that mindset. That doesn't mean we put them down, but we also not allow all noises to stop us from our mission. You see, this is where our sphere comes in, our sphere of awareness. It needs to be very, very large. That's what gurus taught us. It needs to include all the conflictions of life. But what I do with that, what actually on goes from our awareness to our consciousness, and that Shabbat drives, what solution am I offering? What am I, how am I going to connect myself with the Kovankar, with the divine, with the one? And out of that connection, that source of strength, what change, what barrier I will be breaking so to create a better egalitarian society? It's okay for people to feel whatever they are feeling. We are not the policemen of the world. We never were. Because I am not as connected with the Shabbat, I started become I started becoming a policeman in my own house. That's where our work is cut out. You know, I just swear the Darbars of the Hukum when I read this morning, you know, it's so clear. And this was speaking to my allegiance. And Guru Arjan Sahib is saying, Sab upar par brahmadatar. Teri take tera adhar. Above all, because we have somebody is sitting above someone, right? We have this hierarchy yeah. in homes, we have hierarchy in organizations, in governments. So we are so used to it. But he's reminding us, he's like, above all of them sits Parbram, who is a giver. So just remember, ultimately, the giver is the supreme being who sits above all of the hierarchies you are used to. This is why the word Parbram is used, because it's talking about hierarchies. So above all is the, is the supreme being. And then he says, what is his support, right? And Guru Arjan Sahib is saying this, which means I better figure out how to make this my support if I want to play any role, any small role in reviving the Panthic leadership. He says, Teri take, Tera Aadhar. I rely on you. You are my support. This is what a Panthic leader always did. They knew how to work with the hierarchical systems of the cultures and societies we live in, but they never relied on them and they were never their support. Thank you so much, Harinder. So we are at the end of our time today. Um, before we do sign off, though, I want to give you an opportunity for any last uh, comments, any last uh, observations uh, before we say Fateh to the audience. Well, I think we have a year for us, but let's make it personal, Ram, uh, you and I. We have known each other. I'm putting you on the spot and I'm putting myself on the spot. Let's figure out our yearly project in which uh, in one in one project where we can revive Apanthic leadership, where in one organization, it could be uh, any, you know, where we can actually do this. And next year when we talk, we can think about, okay, in this area, we were able to make this small incremental change in reviving Panthic leadership. I think if we all thought like this, whether it is in Sikh Research Institute, whether it is something, you know, in the politics of Canada or Brampton, or whether it is a Panthic affair, which we are dealing with 
related to Guru Granth Sahib or the crisis of leadership at Agaltek and other things. It could be in anywhere. I think we need to actually start playing those roles, play them more privately, less publicly. And this is what Sahaji Rachio Khalsa to me means. Inaugurations should come out when it's completion or near completion, right? Uh, we should really be working on those. So let's, why don't you and I team up and uh, actually try to do that in, in one space, uh, revive a Panthic leader rather than just a leader who might be good otherwise. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea and, and goes back to the theme we've been discussing, which is the model that was laid out by uh, by the Guru, the model that's there in our own heritage and our own uh, in our own history is a personal one. And we don't need to look to grand ideas. We don't need to constantly be pointing fingers at other people in their job, but really looking at ourselves and saying, what can we do? What ability do we have? Where is our sphere of influence? Uh, and how we can we play our part to do that? We're we're very fortunate. We're all fortunate. We thank you all for joining us. Uh, we are recipients of this wonderful, wonderful heritage, which we are celebrating and we continue to celebrate, uh, not just during Vasaki, but year-round. Um, and uh, again, our job here at SICRI is to continue to have these discussions and remind ourselves ways in which we can not only celebrate, but also introspect and retrospect and use the learnings of the past and use the, the map, the, the framework that's been laid out for us uh, to continue to build for a stronger future as well. So we really thank you for joining us. Thank you, Harinder Singh. Thank you to the audience. Uh, for those who, you know, remind your family and friends, the replay is always available. It's very easy to link and share uh, through all of our social media channels. You will see, uh, you'll be able to link back to this presentation and to other webinars and presentations that have been organized by Sikri as well. So thank you all for joining us. Vaigruji ka khalsa. Ramadeep, can I take 30 seconds? I, sure. I realize we should talk about the Fateh. I just saw a comment. Vaigruji ka khalsa, Vaigruji ki Fateh. This indeed is uh, the, the, the greetings of the Sikhs. And sometimes I also shorten it to Gur Fateh. But I think it's a great reminder here uh, that the khalsa is of the Vaheguru. And this is, I interpret this as being Khalsa is a sovereign, and sovereign is of the awesome wisdom, Vaha Guru. So look at even in our greeting that when we are invoking the collective six, Samu Khalsa, Khalsa which yeah. uh, exemplifies the ideas we've been talking about, it actually only belongs to Vaha Guru, which is a noun we have created, which comes through the Guru, which is the wisdom itself. And it's the great, awesome wisdom. So Khalsa belongs to, which means Khalsa is filled with this wisdom and Vahiguruji ki Fateh. And if we succeed in our endeavors, in this very trying things we try to do, if we ever succeed in any of them, it is not my success or a sick success. It is definitely not a Jathe Bandi success. It actually is a success due to Vahiguru. It's Vahiguru's success. Yeah. Now, that's a great note to end on. And on that, Vahiguruji ka Khalsa, I'm just going to close this out. Thank you um, to Ramandeep Kaur and to Harinder Singh for today's conversation. I think I really appreciated the movement from the theoretical into the practical at the end of our conversation. Um, yeah, thank you everyone for all of your questions and apologies to those whose questions were not addressed. Um, if they were not, um, to give a sneak peek of what's 
coming up at the Sick Research Institute. This summer is the 20th Civic Leadership Program, and it'll take place on July 24th to August 2nd in British Columbia this summer. So for the first time, this program is fee-free. This is possible because our donors believe in creating future Gurmuth-based leaders, transforming the Sikh future very on theme with our conversation today. Uh, if you're between 18 to 39 and interested in deepening your relationship with Sikhi, consider applying today. The link is right there at sikhi.org slash civic. As always, a recording of this webinar will be available within 24 hours. Thank you for joining in. Today's webinar will be ending now. Vaiguji ka khalsa, vaiguji ki fateh. You are listening to Sick Cast by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path.